0: God has put billboards all over the planet that placard who he is, and he's given every person the glasses to be able to see it. Man universally chooses to reject that revelation. He suppresses the truth in unrighteousness.
1: Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hello, I'm Bill Wright, and today we continue Tom's series in Romans 1, titled, God's Wrath Revealed and Man's Shocking Response. You know, God, in His Word, has told us that He has made Himself known to all mankind through what theologians call general revelation, that is, through creation, conscience, and providence— But because of our sinfulness, we have suppressed this great truth, rejected God, and chosen our own rebellious, sinful ways. But in God's kindness, He is determined to save such rebellious people through what theologians call special revelation, the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture. Open God's Word right now as Tom Pennington begins today's study, here on The Word Unleashed. Man
0: knows there is a God. He knows that there is an eternal, immensely powerful, supreme being who made all of these things. Next in verse 20, Paul addresses how God revealed himself. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. They've been perceived, they've been noticed by all men. But notice Paul takes this a step further. Not only are these truths about God perceived or noticed, but they are understood. And specifically, they are understood through or by means of what has been made. In other words, all men understand those things about God by looking at what He's made. So the sinner then looks at everything God has made and everywhere he looks, he sees God's eternal power. He sees his divine nature. But he not only sees it, Paul says he understands it. He grasps it. He comprehends it. Now that is another really key point to note because Paul says not only is there general revelation out there, but God has given every person the capacity to receive that general revelation. We could put it this way. God has put billboards all over the planet that placard who he is, and he's given every person the glasses to be able to see it. They get it. They understand it. The problem, then, is not a lack of evidence. It's that man universally chooses to reject that revelation. Back to the end of verse 18, he suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. What Paul is saying in verse 20 is crucial to understand you know every oh probably every month someone asked me a question something like this you know i understand tom people have to hear the gospel in order to be saved but what about what about the the aborigine what about the the native american who never heard the gospel what about the animist in some deep dark jungle somewhere what about him Listen, Paul says in verse 20 that every person who has ever lived, from the tribal warrior in the most isolated jungle to the most educated citizens of the world's greatest cities, every human being knows certain things about the true God. And he knows it because of what he sees in the creation. He knows there is a God who created it all. In fact, you see this borne out even in statistics. You know, if you look at the World Almanac and you, you sort of track who believes what across the planet, what you'll discover is of the 7 billion people on this planet, 6 out of every 7, 6 out of 7 believe there is a God, there is a supreme being. Where did that come from? God made it evident to them. And the other 1 out of 7 It's not that he doesn't see, it's that he suppresses that truth. He denies it, he stifles it, he he ignores it. So he knows there is a God, he knows that God is eternal, that his life transcends our short lifespan. He knows that God is all-powerful, and he knows that God is a personal being like himself. He knows those things because God has made them evident to him he not only sees them clearly in creation, he understands those truths. By the way, Scripture makes this plain in other places as well. Turn with me to one of my favorites, Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, David talks about God's revelation. And in the first six verses, he talks about general revelation, what God has made known in his creation. And then in verses 7 to 14, he talks about special revelation, what God has revealed in His Word. But notice what he says about general revelation, what God has made known in His creation. David writes in verse 1, Psalm 19, "...the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands." He says, listen, simply look up, look up, and if it's daytime you see the sun... And the atmosphere. If it's nighttime, you see the stars and you see the moon. And that creative work of God is declaring, literally, is declaring the glory or the weightiness of God, the things that makes God impressive, and the work of His hands. Now, notice this message is relentless. Verse 2, day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. If you're awake, whether it's daytime or nighttime, you're getting the message. It's relentless everywhere you look, any time of day or night. And you don't have to speak a certain language to hear it. Verse 3, there is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. In other words, it's not like creation communicates in one language that only one people group somewhere gets. Instead, it doesn't verbally express itself at all. And so it communicates to everyone. Notice verse 4. Their line or possibly their sound, the, the creation cries out. That's gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. There's not a place on this planet you can go where day after day, night after night, God's creation isn't screaming at you about what makes him glorious, what makes him weighty. It's amazing. Turn over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 5. The prophet Jeremiah is dealing with the sins of both Israel, the northern tribes, as well as Judah, the southern tribes. And and he says in Jeremiah 5, verse 21, Now hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear, do you not fear me, declares Yahweh? Do you not tremble in my presence? Now, what evidence is God going to give them, what impetus to fear him and to tremble? He, he goes to creation. He goes to general revelation. He pulls one example from creation. For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea, an eternal decree so that it cannot cross over it, Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. God says, just look at one thing. Just look at how I've established boundaries for the ocean. And as a result of looking at that, you should fear me. You should tremble before me. It shows my greatness. shows my power. shows my deity. Verse 23, but this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. So they do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. And then he's going to give us another reason that from from general revelation that we ought to fear God. He gives rain in its season, both the autumn rain and the spring rain. He goes on to another point, who keeps for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. God's provision, God's care. This should cause us to fear him. And it's visible to us in general revelation. Now, these passages and others that we haven't looked at teach that our knowledge of God and spiritual realities comes not through reason alone or through experience, but because God has chosen to make himself known. In other words, through revelation. And God's revelation takes two forms. Special revelation, and that is for us today the Scripture... And general revelation, that is how he has spoken generally to all men who don't have the scripture. And how has he spoken in general revelation? In Romans chapter 1, we only see primarily one way, and that is through the creation. But that is not the only way that God speaks in general revelation. He speaks through the creation, but he also speaks, secondly, in conscience. Romans chapter 2, he's put the law of God, verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2, in the heart of every man they have a, an, an understanding of right and wrong. God's written that, woven that into the fabric of man's soul. So that what does that teach him about God? Well, it teaches him that God has a standard, God has a law, has an expectation. Also, his conscience, what happens when he keeps that law? His conscience affirms him. When he breaks it, his conscience accuses him. So what does that teach us about God? That God is a God of justice. In fact, if you look at the end of chapter 1 of Romans and verse 32, Paul is going to make the point that men through their conscience know the ordinance of God, and they know that those who practice such things are worthy of death. In other words, man understands God is morally restrictive, and that he will punish those who break his law, and their conscience reminds them of that every time they sin. But that's not all that God reveals in general revelation. Not only does he speak through creation, not only does he speak through conscience, but in general revelation, God also speaks through providence, through his good gifts to his creatures. Turn to Acts 14. This is a great text for Thanksgiving, Acts 14. Here we have one of the classic examples of Paul preaching to a pagan audience. The other one, of course, is Acts 17 in Mars Hill. You know that what Paul normally did when he arrived at a city is he usually started in the synagogue by preaching the gospel to Jews and to Gentile proselytes. And because both the Jews and the Gentile proselytes believed there was one true God, where did Paul normally start? He started by saying Jesus is the Messiah. Let me prove to you that the one promised in the Scriptures is, in fact, Jesus of Nazareth. But that's not where he started, with a pagan audience. Now, you're familiar with the story here. They show up, Paul and Barnabas show up in Lystra, verse 8. There's a lame man, and by God's power, they heal this man. Verse 10. And when the when the crowd saw it, they, they think they're gods. Verse 12, they begin calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes. And the people are preparing to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. Verse 13, when the apostles heard what was going on, when they understood it, they tore their robes, a universal sign of distress, and they rushed out into the crowd crying out, and here's what they said. Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you... And we preach the good news to you that you should turn from these vain things. Speaking of their idols, Zeus, Hermes, these are vain, worthless things. Turn from those things, notice, to the true God, a living God. So where Paul starts is by saying there is one true God. And then he goes to that God as the creator. He is the God, notice the end of verse 15, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. He's the living God. He's the creator God. He's the only God. In generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own way, And yet, he did not leave himself without a witness. Even where there was no scripture, God had a witness. What was that witness? And here we come to God's providential care, to his common grace to all of his creatures. Here's how God witnessed to pagans, and he still does. He does them good. He gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons. And I love this, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. That is an expression of God's common grace. It's an expression of God's nature. It tells us that God is good, that he's generous, that he's kind. So then from the light of general revelation, every man knows that there is a God. And according to Romans 1, he knows that that God is powerful, invisible. And according to Romans 2, he knows that that God is just, And that there's a judgment coming for his sins. And according to Acts 14, he knows from general revelation that God is also good and generous. Now, what results from God's revelation in creation? Go back to Romans 1. What results from this knowledge that he has? Verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made... So that, here's the result, they, that is all human beings, and particularly here immoral pagans, are without excuse. Not one human being, whether he is locked in false religion, be it animism or atheism, can legitimately say that God has not provided sufficient evidence of his existence or his character. Think of it this way. General revelation is a divine billboard that has been set up in every place on this planet. As Boyce says, there is enough evidence of God in a flower to lead a child as well as a scientist to worship God. There is sufficient evidence in a tree, a pebble, a grain of sand, a fingerprint to make us glorify God and thank him. Folks, God has given us an objective revelation of himself. And he's done so in general revelation, in creation, in conscience, and in providence. Now, it is true that man's ability to see that and to understand it as well as he ought to has been marred by the fall. In other words, our sinfulness causes us to misunderstand God's general revelation. But that doesn't change the reality that it exists or our guilt think of it this way. Let's, let's assume for a moment, sometime this week, you are in a hurry to get somewhere. And you're in your car, and, and you're blazing down the road at the legal speed limit of 50 miles an hour, and you come to a school zone. And there you see a sign on the side of the road. It's blinking at you. And it says, school zone, speed limit, 20 miles an hour. But you're in a hurry. And so you don't see the sign and you drive on at 55 miles an hour. The policeman pulls you over, and he starts to give you a ticket. Now, you could argue, officer, I didn't see the sign. And what's he going to say? Too bad. Because if you're driving the car, with that driving comes the responsibility to look for the signs and to obey them. But let's say for a moment the situation's a little different. Let's say it's a stretch of road you always drive every day. And so you know the sign is there. You know what the speed limit is. But you sort of intentionally shield your eyes and your mind from that because you're in a hurry and what you're doing is more important than obeying the speed limit. That's the picture, according to Romans 1, of every human being. It's not that he doesn't see the sign. God's put the sign up and he just doesn't see it. Bless his heart. No. It's, he ignores it. He suppresses it. He says, I don't want to know about the speed limit because I want to speed. I'm in a hurry and what I'm doing is more important. So we're all left with no excuse. God has put up the sign about himself in creation. He's given us the capacity to see it. And people see it, all people see it, and ignore it. The Belgic Confession puts it this way, The creation, preservation, and government of the universe are before our eyes as a most elegant book, wherein all creatures, great and small, are as so many characters, leading us to see clearly the invisible things of God, even His everlasting power and divinity... As the apostle says, all these things are sufficient to convince men and to leave them without excuse. Paul's point is that the problem is not a lack of evidence, but willful ignorance. So even though a pagan may never hear the gospel, he has no excuse because he has rejected what he already knows. God has clearly revealed certain things to him, and he suppresses those things. He denies it. He rejects God's evidence, and he chooses instead what verse 25 calls a lie. Therefore, he justly experiences today, right now, the wrath of God's abandonment. And in the future, he will justly face God's wrath of eternal judgment. Chapter 2 of Romans. So listen carefully. This is so important to understand. General revelation will never lead to salvation, but only to condemnation. It doesn't save a man. It doesn't save a woman. All it does is make them without excuse. That's why Paul says, we've got to tell them about Christ. How shall they hear without a preacher? Douglas Moo puts it this way, It is vital if we are to understand Paul's gospel and his urgency in preaching it to realize that natural revelation leads not to salvation, but to the demonstration that God's condemnation is just. People are without excuse. That verdict stands over the people we meet every day just as much as over the people Paul rubbed shoulders with in the first century. And our urgency in communicating the gospel should be as great as Paul's. Folks, the people in your family that you may rub shoulders with this week who aren't in Christ, your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends at school, they see, they know there's a God, and they suppress that knowledge because they want their sin, and they are without excuse, and someday they will stand before God justly bearing the weight of that sin. And the only way they will ever know that they can be reconciled to their creator is if you and I tell them. Three things I encourage you to do. Number one, celebrate the one true God who has made himself known. There's only one God and he's revealed himself. I love the way Francis Schaefer puts it. He is there and he is not silent. He could have been silent but he's not. He's revealed Himself. Number two, celebrate what God has graciously revealed about Himself to all men in general revelation. As you gather with your family and friends, think about what God has made known to every person on the planet. His existence, His divine nature, His immortality, His power, His righteousness, His justice in a future judgment, His amazing goodness and generosity even to those who are His enemies. Thirdly, celebrate especially what God has made known to us in His special revelation in the Scripture. Thank God that we don't just have the light of creation because all that would do is condemn us. That in the Scripture, He's told us how we, His creation, can be reconciled to Him, our Creator, through the the life and death of His Son, Jesus Christ. That by repenting of our sins and believing in Him, we can know our Creator. We can be reconciled to Him. And pray and look for opportunities to share with others the gospel Not the one written in the stars, it's not written there, but the one written here in this book. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are amazed at your wisdom. Thank you that you have placarded the truth about yourself across the universe and that no one misses it. Father, I pray for those here today who are not in Christ, who do not know you through your Son, that they would see the sobering reality of their true relationship to you. Father, may this be the day they run from their sin to Christ. Fill our hearts with true gratitude, true gratitude that you exist and that you've made yourself known to us. We thank you for what you've revealed even in the creation about yourself. But, oh God, we thank you for what you have revealed in your word that we can be reconciled to You, that we can know You. Father, fill our hearts with true thanksgiving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with Part 6 of his series, God's Wrath Revealed and Man's Shocking Response. Tom will have Part 7 for you next time, and we hope you'll join us then. In his new book, A Biblical Case for Cessationism, Tom Pennington carefully considers seven primary arguments for the cessation of the miraculous gifts of the Spirit. As a seasoned pastor and faithful expositor, Tom will help you consider what Scripture teaches about an issue that affects every aspect of the Christian experience, from your view of Scripture and philosophy of church ministry to your daily walk as a disciple of Christ and your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Purchase your copy of A Biblical Case for Cessationism today at thewordunleashed.org. That's the word unleashed.org. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed Exalting God's Glory, Explaining God's Truth. Music